Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 117 for Tuesday, August 24th. I'm Alex Uwe. I'm here today with the whole crew, Alex Rudy, Ray Estrada, Farbon Markazi, and we have a great show ahead today. We, we've, been, we've been away a while, which means there's a lot of baseball to talk about, uh, particularly just the, the playoff races that are heating up above all else. And some very, very bizarre happenings, a couple of milestones, and the start of the Little League World Series, which always brings some unique baseball perspective. So we will get into a variety of topics on this podcast. Before we do, I just want to remind you guys to follow us on social media at BeatTheShiftBP on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That is the best way to let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to talk about, or let us know what you want us to talk about, rather. And it's a good place to just say hi. So at beat the shift BP, once again. Okay, enough babbling. Let's get into it, fellas. How are you doing? Doing good. We need the one word answers. Let's go. Come on. Well, it's it's customary at this point. I can't I can't well, start until I get verbal confirmation that you're all at least good. <laughs> and Rudy is always yes. Or yes, that is also Indeed. acceptable. Indeed, different one-word answer today. Okay, well, n- now that now that we've gotten all the the formalities out of the way, we can we can talk about baseball, and this is by no means the biggest story of the last couple weeks, but it, it's the one that I have I have to bring up first because I think it is maybe the one with the longest-lasting legacy, maybe of the season, in just in terms of references to this to this year and just how bizarre it was. And that would be Rugnet Odor. Yes, Yankees legend Rugnet Odor, the player who called timeout, had time granted, and hit a home run. And it didn't count. That's that's never happened before. There's no way that's happened before. There was, in fact, a home run hit on... A, a pitch that was thrown when the batter was trying to call timeout. And this one was pretty famously Bo Jackson. I didn't know what year it was at first. 1988 was when this happened. Uh, so not, you know, the prime of televised baseball. But he did hit a home run after very clearly trying to call timeout. He didn't, like, fully step out of the box or anything either. He kind of he stayed in there. Um, Rugnet Odor's home run that he hit was well after time was granted. He stepped out a little bit more convincingly, you know, full full step out with with one foot, like like no no problems. It wasn't just like a, a little sheepish hand up and then back on the bat. He was he was out and then he was back in, and he launched one. I that, I saw it and I couldn't believe it. And I my first thought was like, "There's no way this has ever happened before." And to my knowledge, in in doing a brief check, nope. That's never happened before. Not even a, not, not I can't even seem to have found a hit or anything happening like that after time was actually granted. A lot of times these things happen when timeout is asked for and not granted. That's where a lot of the weird bloopers happen. But yeah, I I cannot believe that he he cost himself a home run in that way. Uh, did you guys have a similar reaction? I guess, I guess I'll just ask first of all, because I was just in disbelief. I think my Here's reaction my... was what 
then what did he do in his at bat? And then he struck out. So, <laughs> of course, he did. <laughs> I, I was you, just gonna say thank you. Sorry about it. Still getting <laughs> back into the groove and not interrupting everyone. But my reaction was immediately, of course, Angel Hernandez was the umpire. Um, <laughs> and he granted time. And, yeah. And, like, <laughs> listen, like, it was obviously, like, a late request. And I don't think, like, Rugnid, not, I don't think, I didn't see anything about him complaining about it. But, like, he obviously, like, if you're going to call time, like, regardless, like, you better know, like, if it gets, you know, allowed, then, you know. That That's time is you. that time but is the, out. <laughs> but at the same time, like, like uh, I forgot who was on the mound, but they were clear, like they were like pitching, like the motion had started. So how that even got granted is like pretty egregious. But then second of all, you said Bo Jackson, right? Yeah, he was the only other person to do this, which is just like of course, like he would be the only person, other person to do it. Like that is like the least surprising, incredible fun fact that I've ever heard. Yeah, and it's his counted, because... his counted by like he asked for time, it wasn't granted. He stayed in there and hit the home run, and it counted. So they're kind of different still. With, yeah, I mean, you just look at the video. If you pause it after Rugnet swings and hits the ball, Angel Hernandez is like five feet out of the box looking the other way, and Rugnet is the guy who called time and just still sitting there. I think I think that's hilarious. Um, per- perfect, like you said, reflection of what this 2021 MLB season is. And has always been. It, it ended up being like, because Andrew Fernandez behind the plate in such a big game was funny because he brought Josh Johnson up twice and Josh Johnson argued twice on pitches that were actually strikes. Yeah, so he, he had a very Hernandez. he had a <laughs> so very non Angel Hernandez like game. All all around, you know, just and it's something that like, yeah, you can say time was granted, but they grant time all the time, based on less pitchers about to release the ball. And, like, just the fact that it was Andrew Hernandez, I think, made it that much more memeable. Yeah, if you were – if you had heard of this, if someone were to tell you that Rudin Odor uh, tried to call time, it wasn't granted because it was Angel Hernandez, but he hit a home run after, I feel like you'd believe that more than Angel Hernandez actually granting it and Rudin Odor still hitting the home run. Um, this is very backwards, kind of reverse day in Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and I I think this is going to be a timeless blooper <laughs> uh, because this this is probably never going to happen in the same way again for for a number of reasons. We didn't even talk about the fact that usually when a pitcher gets you know kind of screwed over and he has time called mid pitch, they'll usually just yeet the ball wherever they won't throw up a, a lob. It wasn't even a lob; it was just like he just grooved it right to the catcher. Usually they'll just, you know, either spike it or just throw it to the backstop, which is or throw a good pitch and they get mad that time was called. <laughs> that happens less, I feel like, um, especially in a case where, like you said, Angel Hernandez was well out of the box. Like the pitcher wasn't caught off guard by it at all. He just kind of like, yeah, it's like I'll finish it, and he just threw it up there anyway, and it didn't didn't hurt anything, I guess, but it gave us that amazing moment. So you know props and thank you really i should be saying to the pitcher for for being a good guy and just grooving one in there after time was called um because yeah that's it really just is something that 
yeah, I feel like there's multiple things that have happened this year and I can't think of off the top of my head that are like, man, I've never seen that before. I don't think that will, that will ever happen again. Um, but this one takes the cake for sure. And, you know, just in a more broad sense, it definitely reminds me of, of after the whistle NBA plays, which I don't know if there's another you, sport. Yeah, I was going to say that if there's another sport other than the end, like other than basketball, where highlights routinely happen after after t- like, like this the stoppage of play because i uh, just think of other major sports like in soccer you have continuation so i i don't think there's ever like really plays after the the plays or you know fouls are, are made that are actually stopped because they'll actually let you continue and make the amazing play um in the NFL, I guess, like if there's, there's a flag down, word. like I, I don't know, yeah. but even then, like the play is still live. Like that's there's there's not it's not after the play that this stuff happens. There, there are times in soccer where a guy will make a great play and then like the assistant ref will throw up an offside flag. It's like we knew he was offside, but why'd you let him? Why'd you let him do that? I I suppose right yeah I, I guess that would be the equivalent is if if it is just a very clearly offsides play, but. Yeah, like the fact that there is, you know, continuation and they they play it they they re- they regularly play it through um is is like kind of kind of reverts that. And the NBA is really the only one where like a foul happens, nothing that ha- ma- nothing matters after that, you know, there's technically continuation, but I don't know, a lot of wacky stuff happens with just NBA players messing around after after the stoppage of play. So, um, and this is kind of what happened, except I don't think Odor is messing around. I think he was like, I'm ready to hit a home run in case time does not get granted. Um, which is also just still a very strange time honored tradition of baseball where the batter can just call time out whenever he wants. That can be a discussion for another day with, should that still be a, a thing? Maybe. I don't know though, because <laughs> it definitely gets abused and, really you want to talk about the pacing of the game batters calling timeout whenever they want really really does throw a wrench into things so that's where we start the podcast today any anybody else have additional notes on on the odor home run that never was no i think you went on an adequate tangent that's it's not a tangent (laughs) if i start with it that's that's what was my goal with the whole thing is because i i knew i had lots to say about it so i wanted to Put it up there right away, and and make sure nobody is uh, nobody is disappointed in my in my ability to go on and on about something totally irrelevant. And then next we'll get into some more, I guess like some more baseball uh, or more MLB relevant uh, news with actual playoff implications and stuff. Okay, let's let's continue. With some more weirdness, because th- this stuff is relevant, though I, I swear it's it's not it's not uh, going to to lead to the same kind of tangential conversation as before. This one will lead into to actual uh, playoff talk. But the Giants had an, a historic weekend in their own right. They hit. I'm I'm just gonna read the whole thing first because it really like if you saw it, it's you know you know how incredible it is. But when you hear it, it's just so odd that they they managed to do this. 
the Giants, while playing the A's on the road uh, over the weekend, hit pinch hit go-ahead two-run home runs while down a run in each of these games, in the eighth and ninth inning, respectively, in consecutive games. So pinch hit, you know, pinch hitters, go-ahead two-run home runs while down a run, exact same situation both times, in the eighth inning or later, Oh, yeah, and there are major playoff implications, you know, down the road for both these teams. So the stakes are as high as any. So the first one was hit by Lamont Wade Jr., who is just having an unbelievable year. And he's the one who hit the first pinch hit home run on the first day. On the second day, he was the one who was pinch hit four by Donovan Solano. And Solano is the one who hit the pinch hit home run in the second day. And Solano was also pinch hit for in that first game, not by Wade. That would have been perfect if they were pinch hit for each other. That would have made this even better. But it's it just really speaks to how amazing and deep and clutch the Giants lineup is. Uh, I'll go ahead and start with you, Ray, uh, getting to watch kind of in agony as the Dodgers really continue to, to tear it up with the team that they have. And the Giants just continued to roll their roster of not misfits really perfect fits so you know what is what is that what is your perspective on the unique construction of the giants i think ray's wi-fi went out perfect uh farbode you're ray now go wait what yep (laughs) uh no just like what are the how how are the giants able to do this maintain such success with we talked really, about this two weeks ago. And they keep doing it. So, like, how... So, how, even now, how? There's, like, there's different names doing it every single night, it seems. And they they I, sustain I, the success. Like, no other teams whatever, can. Yeah, I, I don't know, like, the best way to answer this. We talked about this two weeks ago. They are a team that's not reliant on one person for doing their job done. They all are reliant on each other. Everyone's a contributor. Um, if someone's not doing well, likely someone else is. And kind of there are, I don't know how to word this in a way that makes sense, but um, when you start out a season, you look at a team like the Dodgers, you're like, yeah, these guys are the on paper um, champs and they are a very good team. And like, rightfully so they are, but um, but like, uh, I, I, I don't know. I lost my train of thought, but like the giants you, are just better you, than, than the yeah, team that everybody agrees is the best team somehow. Okay. Ready. Ready. What? Get what? in, get in here. The giants have just been better right, than I'm, the team that everybody I, thinks is the best. I'm new, new Ray. And <laughs> I'm not sure what was discussed about the giants two weeks ago. I have to, I'm still on my podcast queue, but I do <laughs> think one part about them that is not talked about enough at least from the media I have been able to consume, is one, uh, you know, Gabe Kapler was fired from the Phillies and written off as incompetent, borderline, if not just mediocre at best, and replaced with Joe Girardi. And he then got hired by the Giants, kind of had to, you know, retire, excuse me, replace Bochi. And, you know, who's obviously, like, one of the best of all time. I feel like most people just assume that um, the Giants would kind of sink into irrelevance with an aging team with some, like, weird 
contracts that they acquired with Longoria or left with um, with Cueto, etc. And instead, I think we're beginning to see, we've seen, not being to see, that they are, they're kind of like the, the Spurs of baseball. And like the, you know, the San Antonio Spurs, where they have an organizational culture that carries them through. And you just can't, we can't deny that whether, we, you know, it's Kapler or it's the front office, they've found quite a few guys that were written off written off by other teams and harness their talent. And I think that's in that's that's something that transcends any one um you know ability. So some yeah, organizations have that ability to do that and raise the ability of the players through the development and some can't. So yeah. the Colorado Rockies can't do that. But the San Francisco Giants have proven time and time again, every time they're under underestimated of what they're capable of. I mean, they've also been bad until this year since 20 or since like 2016. It's so like they've had a lot more changes than the Spurs have had. If you want to make that comparison, they said change managers, change general managers. They're getting a lot of guys this year who are, I don't want to say overperforming, but having really good years um, than we did not expect them to. Crawford, Career renaissances, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gosman on, playing on a qualifying offer. There's there's going to be a lot of turnover, I think, after this year, just to see are they going to pay Gosman a lot of money to to stick around and be their ace. Uh, they already extended Crawford. Um, I, I think it's good, a good gamble for two years. He's earned it, but we'll see if this is like a kind of a last gasp for this core, or if it's a sustainable model going forward for the Giants yeah it, it's it's so odd the things that Rudy describes are just the the image of success for any baseball team and there's teams like the Dodgers that do this routinely and also can spend the money to fill in the void and that is why those teams are widely considered super teams shoe-ins for the playoffs like unbeatable health granted of course like anybody else and they just they have that culture where there's always going to be somebody who can get the job done. The Giants and the personnel that they have is just weaker. You know, on a head-to-head comparison basis to their their opponent, but they just win games. It's it's one of the most baffling things that I I think we've seen. And to bring up things that we talked about Two weeks ago, when we, we had the Giants and Dodgers discussion, uh, two weeks ago, the Giants actually were leading baseball in home runs, which was maybe the most unbelievable stat, considering the ballpark they play in, considering the like guys that they nobody have. nobody with over 20, right? Still no. Still nobody with over 20 <laughs> on that team, mind you. And they still lead the league in homers. They lead the Toronto Blue Jays, our second, one behind the Giants. But... That's just unbelievable still to this point that they are able to to hit for as much power as they have been with the players that they have in the ballpark that they play in. And I, I really have no nothing more to say. It's just it's unbelievable. Uh, it is funny because last time we did this, we also did uh, trash on the Rockies, too. So good, good points there. Um, we can redirect the trashing, though. We talked a lot about the top teams. 
in this NL West, the Padres, who are supposed to be right there with it, have really fallen off a cliff since the last time we checked in on the NL West. And I believe last time I said the odds are more than likely that there will be three playoff teams out of the NL West. There still can be because the Padres are, what, one game back of the one Reds now? Out, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the Reds are, are there. They have the second wild card at the moment. They're really the closest contender. The Cardinals are also there. The Phillies. The poor Mets, man. <laughs> the Mets, for anybody who hasn't been uh, been watching much baseball lately, have had 13, well, they're in the middle of it still, 13 straight games against the Dodgers or the Giants in an alternating fashion. So that's not fun for the Mets. They're two games under five hundred now. You just kind of you just kind of shake your head at that one, but the NL West or not not the NL West the NL Wild Card race is really shaping up to be very interesting because the Padres have fallen off so far, and I don't know if you want to just take a take a free shot at the Padres and and why they've completely fallen off. There's obvious reasons to it, but you know maybe there's uh, there's differing perspectives on how much hope they have the rest of the way. Uh, Ray, I, I'll let you do that as the Dodgers um, fan. I mean, in, in in the same sense that the Giants are just performing really well despite expectations, the Padres, in a way, are underperforming. But it's it's not – it's surprising that they were so good for so long and then fallen off a cliff. Um, and I think, I think, too, you know, a lot of people point to the Dodgers series and all that. Oh, Dodgers can't beat the Padres – the Padres were always trailing in those series. So they're, they've been a third-place team all year. So they've reached the point where injuries are starting to hurt them, Darvish is is down, and that starting pitching depth is is gone, and especially with Snell. He's had a couple of good starts of late. Ryan Weathers has struggled, though. Joe Musgrove has been whatever kind of since the first half. They're, they, they have um, their third-place team – that was a really good third place team has fallen back into a more of a mid tier third place team, which is contending for a second wild card spot. And, and like we've mentioned uh, off air, the Padres, well, they turned to Jake Arrieta to short pitching. So that's how you know <laughs> in a good spot. Yeah. And then fire their pitching coach the day they fall out of the, fall out of the playoff spot. Uh, but the Reds have a really easy schedule. That being virtue of being in the, uh, Central Division, whereas the Padres still have a lot of games left against the Padres or no, not Padres, uh, the Giants and the Dodgers at the, at the top of their division. So, um, yeah, so the Padres' division hopes are, I don't want to say out the window, but they have bigger things to worry about, and as opposed to catching the the Dodgers or the uh, Giants down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, and you know the peripheral teams, you know the ones that are trailing by by a bit more. Right now, uh, 63 wins each for the Phillies and the Cardinals compared to 68, 69 wins for the, the Padres and Reds up there. But those are interesting teams that really looked like playoff-constructed teams that have definitely had their ups and downs too, but can certainly make a push. And yeah, like, like you said, the Padres have all the strengths that they seemingly did on paper, but their starting pitching has, by injury or just underperformance, just completely uh, set. You know, they set them back a long ways 
really taxed the bullpen that they have, and now they are just struggling to to find production, to find wins anywhere. This is this is just exciting for me, and and I don't I'm not a Dodgers fan. I don't dislike the Padres whatsoever, um, but I have a soft uh, a, I have a place in my heart for the Cincinnati Reds, and just seeing them with how uh, much effort they throw into their pitching staff, which isn't filled with just star guys and the Jonathan Indias of the world and the Castellanos, I'm happy. And I think they are going to um, finish with that second wild card spot. If that's a hot, hot take already. What was that? <laughs> Dog. Doggy. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I don't think it's a hot take considering they hold the spot right now and they have been an incredibly hot team. And the third point, which was already brought up, that they have a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way. Much easier. It's not even pretty easy. It's just much easier than the team everyone thought was going to at least have a chance. Everyone thought thought was going to have it in the Padres. The Padres have a much harder schedule. Um, so if it's, the, if it's just those two teams for you, um, I feel like the Reds are an easier have an easier route there. If you want to throw in the Phillies and the Cardinals, that's another talking point too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And if for balance's sake, we'll check in on the American League side as well. The National League side has been crazy eventful lately, especially. But the AL side is perhaps denser in terms of the number of teams that are gunning for those wildcard spots. Uh, the Yankees have been on a hot streak. They've they've taken hold of the first wild card spot, which they did not have a wild card spot at all. I think last time that we talked, uh, the A's have kept it up, and they are really bearing down on the Astros for the top of the division. Even so, you have a tight division race. The Mariners are hanging in there still, sixty seven wins. The Red Sox continue to fall off a cliff, which was a little bit more expected. Uh, because they're still in a wild card spot as of this moment, right? They they just had so much, so much momentum to carry. They wanted a walk off grand slam today, by the way. Which yes, is pretty cool. Um, but yes, they they can certainly turn it around. They have a lot of just really good baseball players. They're kind of the giants of, of the American League, except they did fall off a cliff for a little bit, uh, and let everybody else get back into the race. And then the Blue Jays, who one way or another seem to just keep shooting themselves in the foot and not gain ground on anybody. Uh, but they're still very much right in it as well. Uh, that's that's the full overview. I think the Angels are two games under five hundred now. I think they're out of it. Mike Trout is still missing. Um, yeah. <laughs> not, they, not the best. I, no, they, he actually just came out saying that it, it was torn pretty bad. So whatever the angels were telling us about a calf strain, and I know you you can get doctory and tell me that it's just a more severe strain. No, he he came out with the actual like diagnosis of it, and whatever the angels were telling us about the six to twelve week timeline, that ain't true. Yeah, just just completely wrong. Mike Trout's just sitting there like, that, all right, that, sound, that sounds <laughs> just like right on brand for the angels. Mm. They need to keep people interested in some way. They need to get platelets in it to try and fix it. That's their uh, that's their go to, right? They need to get what? More platelets. Platelets, isn't that their platelet go-to? injections? Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> It'll work one of these days. Um, Hopefully. Yeah. 
And then even in the NL Central, which is just like not really relevant either with the Indians at 500 still. The AL Central. The team that they have. The AL Central, staying in the AL. And the Tigers are 60 and 66. The Tigers, they don't have they don't have a good you know, roster either. They're just kind of winning games. And Miguel Cabrera, of course, it is 500th home run. The other day, after a really nasty uh, cold streak <laughs> to uh, to bridge that gap. I don't know. I feel like I mean, that's always the thing. Thirteenth home run of the year. It's not like he was hitting homers every other day to get. No, to he was. Yeah, he he was. He was on a hot streak to get to four ninety nine, and then immediately hit a a long drawn out cold streak, uh, just on on every side of it. But he got there. He got there. It's pretty cool. Big milestones like that. You don't see them very often. So, you know, the Tigers are not nearly as bad as. I think a lot of people were expecting. So, yeah, the Twins in last place still just looks very odd to me. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what there more there is to say really about the American League wild card because right now the teams are kind of operating full force, or the ones that are in it anyway. Uh, there's not really many you know lingering concerns for what it's going to take for them to make the final push. It's really just who's going to get it done. So, I don't know. Rudy, do you have do you have an idea of of how you think these uh, these kind of outside-looking-in teams will uh, will fare the, the last month? Do you have hope for any of them to uh, take down the, the Yankees or A's? Nope. Nope. All right. <laughs> <laughs> They're just too strong. Too I'm strong just happy companies. the Yankees aren't on the outside-looking-in anymore. I haven't done my... You dil- I I don't think you meant did you mention Seattle? Yeah, I did. Not crazy how good okay, well, I'm saying that again. Seattle. Seattle. But not Even enough. when they're good. They're not that good. Tough. It is it is pretty tough. That's a Put team that on a, that's really overperforming. That, on a picture frame. that quote right there. They that's did the they did have the they did have a very satisfying and incredible win over the Astros where in extra innings they got out of a bases loaded, no out jam, and went on to win the game. That's that's pretty cool. The Mariners have had a lot of games like that, where they win against all odds, and then they've had plenty of games where they lose in alignment with the odds too. So, I guess that kind of <laughs> it kind of evens out. Um, but yeah, Marco well, Gonzalez. Yep, that that's the guy right there. It's probably their only noteworthy starting pitcher at this point even even now is kikuchi still healthy he's, yeah he's been good still okay never mind they they got a couple guys um but still just kind of beyond explanation for the most part we will get back to the playoff races in future podcasts because there's just too many teams in there there's nobody's running away with it right now it's going to be an exciting final month of the season okay Moving on, I did say this was going to be a pretty wide variety of topics on this podcast. We are going to switch gears and talk Little League World Series, which is still in its early stages right now. Uh, It gets really more exciting, in my opinion, once uh, once we see them there for a little while. And then you kind of, you know, get to know the get to know the teams and get to know who's who's the best. And then there's. 
even more stakes by by the end of it when teams are getting eliminated left and right uh it is very early on into the the actual williamsport uh event so far all u.s teams this year which makes sense uh, that's, just, that's the bummer they doubled they doubled the u.s teams to to make it feel um like it normally does but yeah it's it's just not really in the cards to have uh teams from all over the world in to uh compete in an international tournament uh so yeah, it makes sense they're making the most of it for sure and I, I, I don't know if there's other sub-headlines that you guys really want to pay attention to or bring up uh, at, at some point here, but I need to bring up the, the headline of the Little League World Series, and that would be Gavin Weir? Wire? I don't know how to say his name. Uh, I should have maybe... Weir. Weir. That, yeah. It's, it's, it's like weird without, uh, without a D. But uh, this South Dakota kid is just unbelievable for any level of competition anywhere and this is high level competition for his age too in the starts leading up to and including his first little league world series start in seven starts 37 and two-thirds innings pitched zero earned runs one hit a hundred strikeouts a <laughs> hundred strikeouts and that's out of 113 total outs recorded if if that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what. And if, if for those of you that aren't very good at math, there was only one hit in these seven starts. So that means six of his seven starts were no hit outings, where he either completed him, himself or you know came pretty darn near close to. And we have the walk numbers. And he averaged seventy five pitches per start. I do not, because those were not, you know, why why add the walks. It, it'll just muddy things up. No, I, I, I don't know. I didn't see them on the, on the source that, that I had. Do you have them? This guy, no, I don't. Um, that's why I was asking you. I, His pitch he... efficiency is very good though. He does not walk a lot of batters and still manages to basically get through in the entire game, uh, and just strikes people out on three pitches. That's an easy way to keep your pitch down, pitch count down. Yeah, he throws he throws strikes and he's dirty. If you haven't seen him throw, a lot of people are making him the next coming of Chris Sale. Um, I mean, you look at the mechanics side by side, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's very similar. But also, I just want to go back to the one hit in thirty-seven two-thirds innings, not the hundred Ks. Uh, the hundred Ks is absurd, but the one hit, man, it's little league baseball. These bases are 60 feet like you would think like if there was any ground ball or anything even out of the 13 extra outs that weren't strikeouts you would think that maybe a, a kid could run it out or um beat it um to first base or something but that this is just insane and i feel bad for um california that he's facing on wednesday torrance slowly um shout out torrance um but shout out, shout out yeah, shout they, they, out. I played it. I played them in my district. That they're uh, they're close to me. Really? How are you Wait, feeling about yeah, this matchup, Ray? Right? Played little league. Um, I hate that they found him in in this game and they have to face Gavin Weir, because uh, basically South Dakota is like, all right, Gavin's gonna win us every game he pitches, but they have to win the games that he doesn't pitch because he can't pitch every game. 
That's true. He can he can hit though too. <laughs> so speaking of, yeah. he can't pitch every game. He had a go ahead three run home run, uh, in today's game versus Oregon. By the way, they ended up winning the game. So he's uh he's able to help when he's not pitching. It seems. Oh yeah, but uh, but but he's not. I mean, it's really easy to win games when nobody scores on the other team or even gets on base. Um, it's really easy to win no hitters. I will I will agree with that yeah. 100%. <laughs> the Dodgers found a way to lose at one time. Also, the Angels did too. So, I'd still take those yeah. odds more often than not. Yeah, but there's there will be other smaller sub-storylines that come up from the League World Series. Every every team, every, every uh, group of these kids has has really cool stories and, and backgrounds and it's it's always fun to uh fun to watch sporting events like that where you don't just know all the athletes out there you just get a you just get a fresh crop but it still is like the cream of the crop you know it's, it's new every year yeah but there's also shout there's out new guys her, uh is it emma bruning is that the the girl who's at the Little League World Series this year? I don't know. I'm terrible with the... I think that's her name. With the names. Ask Rudy how to pronounce it. Rudy's really good at pronouncing names. <laughs> uh, um, Ella Bruning. Ella or Emma? Ella. Okay. I was close. Ella mm-hmm. Bruning, yeah. Uh, eighth girl to record a hit in the Little League World Series. I'm not sure what number girl she is to play in the Little League World Series. but um, She's the uh, catcher, too. That's she also ca- Yeah, she's also a catcher. And also, just random side note, because watching, um, like, I just happened to be watching Sunday Night Baseball two mm-hmm. weeks ago yes. with the Yankees Mets, and they were mentioning the kids' broadcast that they do for the Lily Classic that happened this past Sunday. And Monet Davis is 20. Yeah, do you feel old? Yeah. Yes. Like, <laughs> that's, like, that's not great. That's how long ago <laughs> it was she was in the Lily World Series. Monet Davis is 20 now. That is, that was a trip to see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, happy to see Ella. I mean, happy. I mean, all those kids living out that dream, and then, yeah. So it's fun to watch a little real serious. All incredibly frustrating to watch half the catchers catch out there. So <laughs> the the big strike zones. I do want to point out that Ella also pitches, um, and all this stuff. It's just great trailblazer. Great, great stories to watch. Always is. You you mentioned the Little League Classic. I, did any of you watch the kids' broadcast? I did not, so I, I don't have personal I, I opinions. I didn't. I actually watched the game itself. So. All right. Yeah, I didn't either, but we'll, we'll so we'll gloss over the kids' broadcast. I have no, no thoughts on it myself, unless anybody, any of you guys did watch it? No? No. No, okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to get into broadcasting. I don't need to see kids already more successful than me, so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know... Uh, it, it, it'll it'll be okay maybe you can do the kids broadcast one of these years <laughs> <laughs> um there was a very kind of odd and hilarious situation where espn was going to do a a dugout interview with jose ramirez <laughs> and he was on deck and it, like his teammate was poking him with the helmet like hey you need to go hit and he's like standing there with the headset on and he, he like tries to put the, the helmet on and he still has the headset and he's like, oh, this, this doesn't work. He's like fumbling around with his stuff and runs across the dugout to uh to get on deck there. Um, and I mean, they, they were they were totally cool with it. It's it's not a situation where it's like, I can't believe ESPN. They're like ruining the game. They're distracting. Like, it's just kind of funny. He like he tried putting the helmet it's, on to go hit while not, he has the headset on. trying to talk to. Yeah. 
he's not trying to talk to Justin Turner while he's at third base in a playoff game. But that's, yeah, that's a little different, I think. It... <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's not an ESPN. This is just a funny situation. I, I like the situations like that, uh, you know, from our perspective. It, it, I, I can see how players would be annoyed. Um, but, yeah, the, the game the game had its its fun little moments, too. Jack Mayfield went to bat with a Crayola crayon bat, which looked pretty sick. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm I up for more. To that guy. I'm up for more custom bats around the league. Anybody else up for more custom bats? Little more, little more artistic freedom yes. with the lumber. I'm all for it. And uh, Jose Iglesias, it, seemingly at at every turn, uh, just makes random defensive gems and had another play where he made a miraculous flip, like after diving, just no look, flicked it behind his back perfectly to the second baseman covering on a ball hit up the middle so you know just just more of that that kind of magic that's always fun to see um so the angels will provide lots of entertaining baseball uh with Ota- between otani no, and iglesias won't. it'll be entertaining baseball just not meaningful baseball yeah not good. sorry sorry for mode i also choose to recuse myself from any of the iglesias is good talk is he is he not good Check out his defensive metrics um, yourself and tell me. Hey, but he's entertaining. He'll make those plays, but um, he is entertaining. He'll make some weird plays like that, but you got you got to check that out. Mm. So he's like Fernando um, Tatis or like spectacular high plays, but also like is he that good of a shortstop? Or Derek Jeter? He's yes. fallen off shortstop wise. I, I I'm I'm sure at some point he was incredible, but. I think it's those plays that keep him afloat, like keep the narrative afloat that he's this incredible defensive shortstop. Yeah, Derek Jeter won four of his five gold gloves with negative defensive runs saved. Yeah. What a guy. <laughs> also has the highest swing, like swing rate, like chase rate in baseball. Like this guy just goes up there looking for three pitches and just if hacking. he doesn't hit them, he'll strike out. Uh, a, uh, a modern day Javier Baez. Javier Baez is, is still in the league too, huh? All right. Yeah. Well, he's actually back healthy. He is. He is. But the Mets, you know, tough schedule and no yes. Degrom is makes for not happy Mets fans. Wait, I do have a question about the Mets though. Okay. Um, with them being like falling off the cliff as much as they have, why hasn't anyone brought up the fact that they have played 13 straight games against two of the best teams in the league? They were falling off the cliff before that stretch. I mean, yeah, but still. It, I mean, we this brought whole it up. situation is, is the most Mets thing in the yeah. world. Um, and their owner going on Twitter to bash <laughs> them is also a very Mets thing. I I'm Even if this is a new owner and people were saying it's the end of the LOL Mets, no, it's not. It's Wow. Yep. Yeah, I, for, I forgot about that too. Um, remember all the enthusiasm. Let, I think we should at at some point Uncle in the future Steve. take take a moment to reflect on some of the uh, the feelings that that we had entering the season. Because reflecting on them now, or you know, even by the end of the year, is remember when Aaron almost bought the Mets. A simpler time. Him and J Lo. Remember, remember when when that was still a thing. <laughs> Seems like ages ago. Seems like ages ago now. Um, all right. I I think that covers most of our of our main topics for today. 
And I don't know if, if it's something that we really want to like deep dive on right now, because I think it'll be a topic that's discussed more as we get closer to the, the off season and the collective bargaining uh, negotiation stuff. But there was reports of a proposed salary floor in major league baseball, which, you know, in general seems like you're, you're kind of skeptical as it, as it did come from like the MLB and ownership side of things, um, where basically you'd have, have like a, a, a salary minimum of a hundred million, I think was like the number that was part of this proposal, but also a lower luxury tax threshold. Um, so I really don't know where, you know, that would kind of leave things in terms of where it tips the scales in terms of how well players get paid. But it was interesting, uh, the fact that it was brought up already at this point during the season. So I don't know, Rudy, did you have any particular thoughts on that or, or anything to add on, on what that kind of means for, for baseball? If that, like that were to happen, something that you can only not look at with suspicion to be quite honest. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of suspicious. Any idea, <laughs> Any idea that, like, yeah, like, when, uh, in short, from the Major League Baseball sounds good, probably means in the fine print it's bad. So, I'm guessing, I mean, my first reaction to it was, wow, it's, I'm very happy that, like, all these teams that spend absolutely nothing will have to spend more, which I think is great. But there's the other part of it that's also like I don't know if the net spend of the league would actually change because there'd be pretty much no reason to spend it over the luxury tax from what I can see so uh, or it'd be much harder because like it would be much it would be a much lower ceiling so I should rephrase so I guess we have to see in detail but considering I guess what I'll say is like it's clearly something I feel like they're already getting out there to offer the union to make it seem like they're offering them more money but knowing the MLB, that means that most likely, if you actually bring out the math, it, I doubt it's really any significantly more money for uh, the players as a whole. Yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, I hope they don't go to a hard cap type thing like hockey or, or basketball does. Because literally, when Rudy texted the group chat that this floor proposal was a thing, I was watching a video explaining basically how the hockey introducing the salary cap and after the 0405 lockout has ruined player salaries for like the last 15 years mm. players and star players in the NHL were making close to 20 million back then. And now star players make like star star players make double digits. Like $10 million is a lot for a player in the NHL nowadays with their cap. So Man. that there's a lot of other context there with how they do the revenue sharing, but um Baseball can't just say, oh, yeah, the cap will be there and guys' salaries won't go up necessarily from the 35, 40 million guys are getting now, but it could it could tank with the cap. Yeah, and that's that's kind of like one of those things where when you think about it, like a salary, a salary cap very, very obviously is like, okay, well, that limits the amount players can make, so probably not good for them. Uh, like the salary floor makes you, it like forces you to think a little bit more about like, Okay, there's there's probably something else here going on that that'll make this favor the owners in some way, but 
at, at this point it was it was a very vague proposal that was that was put out there um so again a conversation sure we'll have at a later date permit dh <laughs> and that's the thing too is there's a lot of concessions and red herring sort of we talked we've talked about this before uh with regards to other you know cba negotiation things that are brought up more in the media as in kind of to misdirect um in and make one side look more reasonable or unreasonable than others um one thing that this this kind of leads me to believe is th this mostly will affect free agents um you know based on the, the salaries unless there's like drastic changes to how um you know young pair young players are paid so this this might be one of those kind of red herrings where they're like look all the older players that are you know in free agency and and uh you know looking to to make better lives for yourselves like this will benefit you greatly because teams will be forced to spend more in free agency but that doesn't necessarily mean they have to spend more on their young talent so um yeah that, that's that's one thing too is like young versus old where the money's being spent it's not just like salary floor means more money to players right uh, it's, it's more complicated than that um yeah but i think we will leave that topic there and not go much deeper for today and what say you? How about we end the podcast for today? We talked about a lot, as as I promised. Um, it feels like ages ago that we talked about Rugnado Door. But I'm still thinking about it constantly, obviously. Um, so yeah, if you are still here, thank you very much for staying with us. And if you did enjoy it, make sure to leave a rating or a like if you're watching on YouTube, wherever you are listening. It really helps us out. Subscribe if you want to get all of our new podcasts and again make sure to follow us at beat the shift bp twitter facebook and instagram that is the best place to uh to get in touch with us we want to know what you think about all these things that we talk about so yeah that is it for today thank you everybody one last time and as always farbode Peace.